Optimal Bio podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at optimalbio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Welcome everyone to another edition of Optimal Bio's Wellness Podcast. As always, we have great guests and today is no exception. We are blessed to have Janine Fidelli with us today. Uh, she's got an amazing background and I don't want to give away anything. And we usually, of course, throw it back over to our, our guests anyhow, so they can give their own version of their introduction. So Janine, thank you for coming today. And can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me, Jim. So I am deeply passionate about health and well-being, but that happened because it all began, just take you back to when I was 16 and in a life-threatening car accident and went through the windshield and have been kind of been um, puzzle pieced back together several times. <laughs> and so that sort of experience causes you to always delve to say, how can I be healthier? How can I protect my future? And um, so that was, you know, the ramifications of that were, were pretty intense. And so my passion for wellness was always there. What do I eat? How do I feel better? How do I not need uh, something to take the pain away? And it launched me into uh, the health coaching space. But before that, I worked for a small CRO in the Cary area, eTrials, and uh, was in that pharmaceutical electronic data capture, capture arena, which seemed like the opposite end of healthcare from where I wanted to be. So at that point, I went and I've been a certified health coach since 2007. And I, I attended, I flew up to New York every, every month for a year and got certified by the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And then after that, I worked in different area, different realms and areas locally in Cary as a health coach. And then I became functional medicine certified, which was another level and layer of addressing what's causing the symptoms, root cause sort of sort of work. And then I became a board certified health coach a few years ago, which was a great opportunity. And so here I am, published a book, trying to stay healthy and helping people to fall in love with themselves. Cool. Well, great background, but if you're good with it, we're going to go back in time. You got it. So prior to the accident, um, where'd you grow up? Where were you living? Uh, and did you, you know, were you athletic as a kid? Were you into health at all during that time? Kind of walk us through your childhood a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I was born in New York. I was born in the Bronx and, uh, have three sisters and my quick, quick, funny story. My older sisters are twins and they are two and a half years older than me. And they actually took two public buses to get to kindergarten. <laughs> How times have changed. <laughs> My mother's like, that's what you did back then. So, uh, you know, and then we moved out of the Bronx about an hour and 20 minutes North and that's where I grew up. And I come from a, a big Italian family. So food is love and you're never eating enough. And, uh, you can hurt somebody's feelings by not eating too much, <laughs> by not eating enough. 
So, but great childhood, very active outside, kind of grew up in that family where it was go outside and play and come in for dinner sort of thing. And the dirtier we were, the more fun we had, um, you know, and barefoot and all that sort of stuff. So it was great. And food was obviously the center of our, a lot of uh, our rituals and our family and uh, communions and confirmations and weddings and all that sort of stuff. So I, I would say I was active, but I was never a team sport kind of gal because I like to challenge myself. So I gravitated towards yoga and being better than I was yesterday. So I never did well in that team sport sort of atmosphere, although I can appreciate those who do. And so I, I was active by, uh, I mean, I played recreationally volleyball at school and things like that, but no real organized sports for me. <laughs> so I think we're from the same area, uh, not necessarily the same town. So hour and a half north, what town was that? Yeah, Poughkeepsie area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was born in Poughkeepsie. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> my cousins are still there and they come down every year to we vacation together still and what have you. Wow. And, um, funny story on my side, my father married a Poughkeepsie girl and he was from Highland Falls, New York, which is, you know, basically the tiny little town right at the gates of West Point. And, um, yep. I think my mom kind of grew up, uh, maybe on the right side of the tracks, but a little bit close to the tracks and where my father was definitely on the wrong side of the tracks. But anyhow, he <laughs> went, started working at IBM when he was in high school and what have you. And, um, um, so after they got married, they lived in Poughkeepsie and my mother was thrilled. My father hated it. Um, cause it was her family. His, he didn't have much of a family, but nonetheless, he just didn't like Poughkeepsie and he wanted to get out. Right. So I was born there and two and a half later, we left and we basically went up and down the East coast, uh, during my childhood, every three years we got moved. Um, but wow. yeah, small world. Definitely. Definitely. I, uh, yeah, I go back a couple times a year and see my family. I'll be up when I go to Boston to move Lily in, in September. I, I take Greyhound over to, <laughs> over to the Hudson Valley, kind of like a Billy Joel song, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I go over there and spend some time. So it's, it's, it's nice, especially in the fall. I love it. I love it up there. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, I, what high school I, I went to Arlington. Okay. Yeah. That's the, that's the, still the cream of the crop high school up there right now. It is. It's massive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not much has so, changed up there though, but. So obviously we're going to talk a little bit about nutrition and diet later on, but you know, mm -hmm. you're growing up, you're an Italian household. So, um, I'm mm -hmm. sure everything was, um, homemade back then. And, um, even if it wasn't homemade, you know, you probably didn't have all the chemicals and the additives, you know, in the pastas, the breads, you know, that you do today and what have you. So, you know, kind of walk us through a typical, you know, I don't know, daily meal, you know, for someone like yourself during that time frame. During that time frame, Yeah, it was, gosh, I loved cookie crisp in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I really had an aversion to meat. I was never from from very young age, I never liked it. And my mother didn't push it on me. I always got raviolis instead. So if that tells you anything, that um, epigenetics for the win. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> I mean, uh, you eat that stuff 
too much for too long and it'll definitely show up. But I did. So I, and my parents ate everything, seafood and they loved food. And there was always music on in the house. And, and it was really, it was wonderful. It's my father passed away five years ago. Uh, he was at Vassar hospital when he passed away and, and, um, with him went so much, but his, his memories and his traditions. And that's one of the things is having that Italian upbringing and that root, as you know, uh, you know, those are, they run deep. And so that's been something that I've tried to bring into with my children now who Dominic, you know, you would think he was born in New York, but he was born here at Rex hospital, but my daughter was born here, but they've got those roots and those traditions and the music and the food. And we just find ways to tweak it because I think it's so important to not abandon the culture, but to find ways to have it work for us. And, um, because taste brings us right back as does smell, right? The garlic, the oil on the stove. And so, yeah, my mother made a lot of great healthy food and it was real food. Like you said, it wasn't processed. It was real. It was, um, you know, we had wine on Sundays and, and it was great. So lots of carby stuff, but it was good. (laughs) And just out of curiosity, how old was your father when he passed? My dad was 71. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's too early. Uh, my father had passed when he was 53. And um, mm. yeah, it's, but as time goes by, you know, you remember all the good things and, um, right. you know, he still lives within, I'm sure you see him and your kids and, you know, and yourself and what have you. Absolutely. And that is very young, Jim. Um that is very young. Yeah. And it shows up and I sit there and I say, Oh dad, you'd be so proud of me. I wish I could talk to you about this or ask you about that or, um, and, but I know he is somewhere that's for only, we haven't gotten that that far yet. So I just trust and I believe and I have faith and yes, he's with me. Yeah. So were you driving when you had the accident? No, it was my prom night and I you don't have to talk about my, it if you don't want. <laughs> no, no, I was my prom night and I was not driving and I was in the passenger seat. Um, and we went home after the prom. I went with a, a, ch- a friend of mine, my high school boyfriend and I had broken up a few weeks before that. So it was like, well, I'll show you. I'll go with this one. And he was like, well, I'll show you. I'll go with this one. (laughs) All that 16 year old stuff. (laughs) And needless to say, we did not go together. And, and uh, yeah, so my friend was driving the car and it was a really stormy night and it was, there was zero alcohol involved. And, and so we hit like a rock embankment wall going kind of like this right into it. And all the three people in the back, seat had pushed my seat forward. So I'm the one who my face went through the windshield and, um, and I don't remember it. I've driven past the scene several times and I, but I don't remember it. I remember waking up in the hospital. So, yeah. So that was my prom night. And then I had a lot of internal damage and, uh, several surgeries and it took me a long time to heal after that. And because I had so many surgeries in my abdominal cavity, like in my intest, in my small intestines and things like that. 
eating was a challenge and feeling good after I ate was a challenge. And, you know, it's so funny, Jim, because you move through life and I can think back to times when if you know that someone has some sort of trauma or grief or physical ailment like that, you have a little bit more of a delicate walk. But I can remember people that didn't know any of this about me saying things like, just eat a cheeseburger. You're too skinny. And I was like, I wish I could eat something <laughs> and that it didn't hurt. Right. So you, you, from both ends, you have, have comments and, and you're compassionate about it because you recognize yourself and others as well. And you, it just helps you realize times where maybe you just didn't have the whole picture of mm -hmm. what someone was going through. So, yeah. So that's what launched me into a journey to say, how can I feel my best? How can I heal? How can I someday have children? Not that, you know, reproductive system was affected in this, but you sit there and you wonder like, how, how is this all going to work? I'm only, I got out on my 17th birthday and uh, out of the hospital. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. So when you're going through the surgeries and uh, you're contemplating the future and what have you, was there a certain like moment in time um, where you decided that you were going to start this journey and, you know, look at nutrition and look at things differently? Um, you know, was it something somebody said, for example, uh, or, you know, like I said, was there just something that just clicked, mm -hmm. you know, one day and you said, okay, I'm ready to go. I've always had an interest in food and it, it's funny because I remember thinking at one point, I'm going to be a dietitian. That's the most logical path, right? And then I started to, to kind of delve into what that entailed and it almost felt a little bit suffocating, right? To, to stay within the constructs of what, and I, I have mad respect for dietitians I was looking for more of behavior and mindset and overcoming challenges and bio-individuality, somebody who eats for their, their lifestyle and what, you know, what, uh, for example, some people can eat garbanzo beans and love them and some people can't, and they get a stomachache, right? So it's not demonizing particular foods. It's understanding what works well for, for the individual. And so that's when I, um, and then I, I moved to North Carolina when I was 21. My ex-husband was with IBM and um, moved down here and got into the farm. I was, a, I was a corporate travel agent, which was wonderful because it's very easy to hop on a plane and get away from life. <laughs> I was like, Bora Bora, yeah, Rio, yeah, you know, anywhere. And so I did that, which was wonderful. And that really gave me... Uh, the university of life experience that I was looking for coming from Poughkeepsie. And then I worked for the, the small CRO and carry called e-trials. And from there I launched into the opposite end of the wellness spectrum, which is prevention and wanting to really help people. And I've, I'm a healer, I say, and I know there's a lot of healers you interview and, and in our community, there's a lot of healers that we bleed out for. We save people who don't want to be saved, right? So I had to kind of swing back and get that in check. And uh, so, yeah, so that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to leave the, the pharmaceutical software industry behind and I'm going to go all in and save myself so that I know how to do that that walk and help others find themselves. So that brings us to your, um, your, 
VP at Doable. You're a coach. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Doable and tell us a little bit about you know, your, your daily grind, so to speak. My daily grind. So Doable is a is an organization that I am the, the, the VP, but also the founding health coach at. And it was founded by two physicians who uh, one was a Duke trained physician and one was a UNC trained physician, which always lent a lot of lightness and humor to our presentations, especially around March Madness. <laughs> but so they founded this organization as two physicians who kind of felt like, eh, is medicine really about helping people? And again, you know, that whole kindred spirit way of thinking that's, that's like what we, we can't keep going back to a broken system to get, to get well, right. We can't rely on a broken system for chronic illness, possibly acute stuff. Yeah, but not the chronic stuff. So we've been doing that for about seven years and we've got a team of board certified health coaches and we've got, um, we also have health benefit agents. So we partner with organizations and can find the gaps in their health plan, where they're bleeding out, what those gaps are, where they're paying too much and, uh, and connect it and totally recreate their health plan. So that's something recent that we started in the last year, which we're very excited about because people value that. They're like, wow, you actually want to take time to look through all this stuff that, that our broker just flies through quarterly and doesn't look at the numbers. And so it's a great day when we can find those big gaps where companies are bleeding out, where they have no idea. And also help part, you know, employees, uh, keep them engaged and inspire them to want to reverse some chronic conditions, uh, conditions, whether it's, whether it's a very inexpensive blood pressure medicine, cool, or whether it's something like, a you know, a Humira that's costing the company $10,000 a month for someone to be on because of lifestyle conditions, you know, we can reverse a lot of that stuff or lessen the, the need for medication. And not only that, like give people their sovereignty back, give them their, their, their pride and their confidence to say, you know, this might run in my family, but it stops with me because I am an active expression of habits and things that have been passed down from generations, not necessarily the active expression of genes. So Mm -hmm. it's very empowering and freeing to somebody when they can say, I don't have to feel this way. Yeah. And so we go on site, we do a lot of, I do mostly Zoom coaching calls for my clients. Um, they can Zoom or they can call in with us. And it's very rewarding work when you can connect someone to the only thing that matters, which is themselves. And that's where they that's where they launch from. And that's where their social interactions change, their body care changes. They start to say, why am I putting this stuff on my skin that has all these carcinogens? Or why am I engaging in this low vibe conversation that I don't feel well when I leave? Uh, or when I'm in. And so um, how do I move my body in ways that feel good? And what I love about this whole doable concept is (laughs) we named it doable because people just want something that's doable. I've worked with executives of, you know, companies who have 100,000 employees, you know, that they're managing and they're living on private planes and they're staying in hotels. And so that person has a bandwidth that they can tweak and that they can find their control in. And then somebody possibly who is at another end of the spectrum, possibly working two jobs or thinking that 
They have to do organic to be health, healthy. It's really great to find whatever it is that's going to be doable for that person. Maybe it's walking the dog for an extra few blocks, right? Maybe it, it and so that's the beauty of it. It's never boring. It's always, it, it helps me. It, it really, they say thank, they thank me and they say that I save them. But truthfully, we save each other because there's that beautiful reciprocity when you're in that space with somebody and the most important thing that I think our coaches value, and one of the things that I always try to bring into our training, because I train a lot of our coaches, people don't want to be fixed. They don't want to be told, quit smoking. They don't want to be told what's wrong with them. They want to be felt. They want to be felt for the pain, the grief, the struggle. And when you can feel somebody in that space, and it takes a moment, and then they trans. You, you watch this transformation of self-love, which sounds fluffy, but it's, it's anything but. It's discipline, it's self-regulation, it's education, it's accountability, it's repetition. And then all of a sudden, life looks completely different. And they say, oh my gosh, they turn around and they're like, I can't believe that was me three months ago. So it's great. Yeah, so we'll go into explore that a little bit more soon. But getting back to the health insurance thing, um, that's obviously mm-hmm. a, as a former employer, um, that was always an issue of ours. And I know people, you know, in the family and uh, elsewhere that are, uh, you know, have to be on medication and they're just, they're, the co-pays from some of the manufacturers aren't accepted by health insurance companies anymore and what have you. So how do you, as, as you put it, you know, stop the bleed? Like how, mm-hmm. what, what kind of process do you run? So are we do, so I'm not a licensed insurance broker, but our, my uh, people on our team on the doable team are, and so they connect with usually HR and they connect with leadership and they just have some meetings. I think the biggest missing element this it with this is everybody's looking for connection, right? But, but as an organization, as a leader, uh, uh, let's say an HR leader at, a, at an organization, I want someone to take the time. I don't want to be shoved on the conveyor belt of, of stuff. I want someone to sit down with me. So our, our health insurance uh, agents will sit down and go through a lot of the, the claims and the data and, and look, and we find some big gaps. We found a gap recently that was probably about $400,000 that someone didn't have to pay. Wow. Um, and it takes time. And that's the thing that is missing, I think, from a coaching experience, from a transformational experience, from a, a financial gain experience is we will sit there and, and we, we will do that. We will partner with anybody and, uh, and have meetings. Our, our insurance brokers will and have meetings and go through some of the data and look and say, hey, here's what we found. Here's what we think you, you know would save you money. Stop the bleeding. Stop maybe... Um, spending so much money on reversible chronic conditions. That's a big part because if you can get somebody, you can help somebody to get their A1C down. Metformin is not an expensive drug, but that's going to turn into insulin very likely, which is. So it's looking at the heavy hitter cost drivers. And then it's also looking at all of the other things that if we don't get a grip on, that's going to turn into something that's um, the Humira, the Cosentix, you know, the insulin, all those much more expensive medications. So it really is lifestyle and behavior. So yeah, the, the insurance piece is wonderful. Our, our guys are fantastic and boy, do they know their stuff up one side and down the other. 
they're great. So you're a coach and how do you set your client's expectations as it relates to coaching? Because on one hand, you have people that will go to you and they, they're looking for a quick fix, right? Um, they want you to give them, you know, a playbook, formula, whatever. And then mm-hmm. if you tell them, hey, go, you know, walk your dog two miles around your neighborhood, um, guarantee you're going to lose 30 pounds. And then a week later, they lost one pound. Um, they may throw you out the window at that point in time. So how do you, from a, you know, mindset standpoint, um, uh, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, coach them where they're always engaged. And at the same time, you know, they're, they're patient enough to be able to see these results, you know, uh, in a, in a longer time frame. That's the $64,000 question, right? <laughs> we live in an Amazon prime world. Where's my abs? Where's my 10 pounds weight loss? <laughs> you know, everything is delivered to our door except well-being. And so when I'm working with people or when we go on site and present to organizations, we begin with visioning. We don't talk about food. We don't talk about exercise. We talk about what do you really want? What does your best life look like? What's going on? And because obviously creation and manifestation, the law of attraction is all about the feeling that we have because we don't, we don't attract what we want. We attract what we feel. And so that's the, that's the rub. We got to become it first, right? Even just chip away at it in small doses. So your example about the pound. I have I, I I have clients who one guy in particular recently lost two pounds to start. It was it was about three three weeks in. And I said, That's awesome. He's like, It's only two pounds. I said, Go to the store and pick up two boxes of butter, please. <laughs> that's two pounds. And he was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So when you put things in terms of we get hung up on the pounds and we, we, um, we have to get out of our own way. And when, when people can understand that this program is about the long haul, this program is in, is slowing down to speeding up instead of just speeding up and wanting this and that and not being, and watching it go right through your hands at Christmas time when all the food comes out, right? It's how do you maintain, how do you, uh, how do you, slow and steady. So a lot of the coaching is reminding people how far they've come. A lot of it is having them to get the comparanoia out of their head and the peanut gallery and what everyone else is telling them to do and what everyone else is eating and what everyone else looks like and to just really be with themselves and appreciate their body's own transformation, which happens here. You know, this is where dreams go to die. So getting people into their heart and having a lot more coherence is a very powerful thing. So the, so it's really the hang time, you know, those dark hallways of life can be really scary when people are like, I've lost 10 pounds. Am I going to lose any more? I don't know what's next, but the coaching is really great because they stay connected with me. We've got something called, um, the doable health club, which I created and, and have been writing the curriculum for, And I realized that a lot could be done in 12 weeks with somebody. And especially when you think about somebody, the two people who are on this call right now, right? Our age, we're we're older, we're not 25. We 
we recognize that it's almost like being in middle school again, because it's like, who am I in this body? Right. And so we find ourselves with a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience, a lot of heartbreak and joys and, and more understanding in some ways and less in others in these bodies that maybe don't feel like our bodies. And so the doable health club is really for, for people who we want to be strong, not because we want pictures of ourselves on the beach. We want to be strong so we can pick up our grandkids. We want to be strong so that if we fall, we don't break a bone. We want to be strong so we can go in the ocean and play. We want to be strong so we can take an aging parent to the bathroom. And it's this really beautiful opportunity to say, the body's always replenishing itself. It's always making new cells. Who do you want? What do you want to feel like? And reminding people it's not a ball and chain because everybody else in, in your family is, has fallen ill to high cholesterol and aches and pains and illnesses and things like that. So it's really freeing to, to remind somebody of their own power. And I know I probably say that over and over, but it's so true. It's just like recalibrate and align with what you want. Be patient. We don't plant seeds and dig them up all the time and say, why isn't it growing? <laughs> we trust. We water, we put it in the sun, and we let go. And we trust that what we're doing is going to yield the the diamonds that we want and the results that we want. So a lot of coaching is stick with me, keep your calls, bring your questions, bring your fears, and and let's strategize and chip away at this so it doesn't feel like an uphill battle all the time. Is there a process that one has to go through with you where you then determine whether or not they're coachable or not? Yeah. Cause you would sit there and, and, and we do, we, we think everybody wants to be healthy. Right. But it's not true. Right. So you, we can't, we can't save anybody who's not willing to save themselves. And, and I, I, I do find that, but I, so we offer, when we go on site to an organization, we present various different visioning workshops. And, you know, for one organization that's smaller with one location, it might be a lunch and learn. I've got a company in Winston-Salem. They're going to get all hundred and something people in the room and we're going to do a presentation. Other organizations who might have shift work or different buildings will set up different visioning uh, workshops. I call it fun shops because nobody wants to go to workshops anymore, which I don't either. So, <laughs> and, and so we engage them that way. And, and from that point, if we're doing our job, we are inspiring them to say, I don't have to feel this way. And nothing is off the limits, whether nothing is off the table, whether it's stress management or um, hormone balance or food, exercise, relationship stuff, nothing is off the table. So once we do those presentations, then it's not mandatory, of course, because the organizations can't make it mandatory, but People can connect and meet with their assigned coach and create that relationship and then call their coach or Zoom with their coach once a week if they want, which a lot of people like that, you know, that regularity and that consistency and that accountability. So there are some people who aren't ready. I mean, I was coaching a guy for two and a half, I've been coaching him for two and a half years now. And He's lost almost 30 pounds and he's kept it off, right? Like he's feeling really good. And now he says, I'm ready to tackle the smoking thing. <laughs> and 
he would not have been able to do that two and a half years ago. And I didn't push it because everybody knows you shouldn't smoke. But when someone comes into me and says, and I, and we talk about what their vision is and, and maybe we're in a private session and they're like, well, I need to quit smoking. And I'm like, okay, so why do you feel you need to quit smoking? I mean, part of me knows that that's not, we all know that's not beneficial. Right. But I understand because I used to smoke and I know how addicting nicotine is. So um, I said, why do you want to quit smoking? And he's like, well, my doctor told me to, and my wife's nagging me. Okay. I know that's not the right place to start for him because when somebody doesn't have that intrinsic motivation, it's not, they're, they're going to feel frustrated. Now, if he says, I want to quit smoking, that's a different story. But if he's like, I need to, because my doctor's bugging me and everybody's giving me grief, that's a different hustle. So it's like, okay, let's find something that lights you up. Let's find something that inspires you. Okay, maybe you want to eat a few more vegetables. Maybe you want to walk a little bit more. Maybe you want to, and when that catches on, and all of a sudden this guy is jumping in the pool without a t-shirt because he feels good, maybe he'll get to the, the quitting smoking thing. So it is a journey. We call it journey to health because it is a journey. Because you, I'm sure you can think back to times in your life where you you know how hard it is to make changes, let alone have someone else make changes. So you have to feel, I'm ready for this. I want this. And the pain of staying the same has got to be worse than the pain of change. Do you think your job is easier in the day of, in the world we live in today with social media, or do you think it's harder? You used the term before, comparanoia. So comparanoia. that... that was the um, yeah. genesis of that question. Yes, yes, that, that was. I think, I think it's harder, although I toggle a little bit because all of a sudden in my mind, I think of like um, Kyle Fitzgerald and Clean Kitchen Nutrition, right? And I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> great site. I share it with people. So social media has so many great things but they're only great if people are willing to receive the message, right? I mean, it could be, so there are benefits, but I, I do, I see the comparanoia thing, especially, you know, and I think it, it's with males as much as females, but there's, there's, and people don't post their, their junk on there. They don't post their grief. They post the flowers they got and the, you know, standing on the Amalfi coast and this and that. And they, and they, and I get that. And it's nice to share those moments, but being able to decipher between, is this a moment or is this a way of life? Right. Is this, um, is this, a, and, and there are these great moments. So I'm not anti-social media. I think it takes, again, raising the bar and the level of I'm okay, I'm worthy and, and being able to discern and say, not everything that that's shiny is gold. Yeah. So it's, it's a hustle, especially, you know, as people get older and their bodies change and things change and, you know, it's, it's a hustle that it just goes back to being the best version of yourself, which is, which radiates. And that's very magnetic, right? Because you can look a certain way, but feel differently on the inside. And I've seen, I've seen that too. No right, no wrong, just is really great when the outsides match the insides. You feel right. good, you know, right. and you're healthy. Mm -hmm. If you look at the 
your clientele, obviously, you know, in general, Dr. Brandon tells us this all the time, the U.S. population is getting sicker and sicker. You know, I think in 1997, there was, I think, 14% of under 18 children were on medication. Today, it's somewhere around 40%. Um, mm-hmm. And if they're on medication as kids, they're certainly going to stay on it, you know, when they're adults. Um, and, you know, then if you want to go deep and dark, we can talk all day long about the pharmaceutical industry and um, how, you know, there's no goal in curing because if you cure, you lose the revenue stream. Um, if you yeah. chronic treat, you know, for 50 or 60 years, um, then you, you know, you make billions of dollars. So looking at today's client base that you deal with is, you know, if you had to categorize, you know, the two or three things that are the most detrimental to one's health right now, I'm assuming diet's going to be one of them. So food, nutrition, um, but is medication a, a thing that you have to battle with as well? Um, we obviously in our world and at Optimal Bio, we talk a lot about uh, hormone disruptors um, and the fact that everybody's testosterone today, male and female, is way lower than it was 30 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, kind of walk us through the top three things that you have to battle uh, with all the time as it relates to getting people to change their mindset. Yeah, you're you're right to cite nutrition as obviously a big disruptor. I mean, and I I throw food in, or I throw like water in there as well. And if you would have asked me that a long time ago, I'd be like, water is water, right? Who knows? I mean, I was driving my kid Dominic through uh, Wendy's, you know, when he was four and, and it was easy. It was soccer life, right? It was all this stuff. And so water and all the stuff that's in there and the importance of clean water and all the endocrine disruptors in there and the plastics and, and all that sort of stuff. I think food, yes. And stress management, I, a lot of people, there's a saying, if you don't have time to meditate, if you don't have 15 to meditate, 15 minutes to meditate, you better find an hour <laughs> because you really need it. And that is a, that is a challenge for people. So I think finding ways to, again, bring yourself into that brain heart coherence, activating the vagus nerve, how to practice intelligent emotional management and not have to react and not have to reach and numb because you're annoyed because of a meeting or a coworker or a family member or, and reach for the alcohol and reach for the chocolate and reach for the, um, you know, binging out on Netflix, like mind numbing or social media scrolling. Right. So I think, I think the distractions is a big thing. And when, when I work with people and we can identify what those distractions are, it's like a light switch goes on and they feel, they feel like they can breathe. And I say that because I know once I started realizing what was eating my time that I felt freer and I felt like I had more control. And that's all anybody wants, whether you're a three-year-old who wants the door open while you're in, in bed, right? Kid stays in the bed, you close the door, they want to come out. They just want the door open, okay? They feel like they have a little bit of control. When people feel like they have a little bit of control and they can recognize, okay, let's talk about these things that are getting in the way of your best self. So distractions are huge. Food is huge. And um, honorable mentions are definitely body care and skin care. I mean, all that's going in. Those are 
those are hormone disruptors in a huge way. And when people, when especially women can look and say, oh my gosh, like now that I know what's in this face makeup, I would never put this on my face. And there's so many great brands out there now. There's so, we've come so far with, I, I say makeup, but it really is skincare. When people have that approach of, I'm going to care for my skin, I'm not going to cover stuff up. I'm going to care for it. It's a whole new world and it's really, it's, it's great. I'm thrilled that we're, that we've moved in that direction. So I'd say, um, let's see what else, obviously movement. I don't know if you've ever started, started to started an exercise program. One of the things I say in some of my presentations is raise your hand. If you've ever started a diet and they raise their hand, raise your hand. If you've ever stopped, <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever started at the gym strong on January 3rd. What happens come April, right? So that's where I feel like our program focuses on a live well piece, which is what's going on under the hood? How are you self-sabotaging? What are these limiting beliefs? So much of it, Jim, seems to be the people we hang out with. Habits are contagious more so than gene expression showing up. And so when people can recognize, I can love this person, but I don't have to have Taco Tuesday every Tuesday. I can love this person. And you know what? You want to have a bottle of wine, knock yourself out, but I'm good with just half a glass tonight. You know, like I don't want any hot flashes. (laughs) When people can make the connection between what they're doing and how they want to feel, when they get clear on the vision, the steps come clear, and that's that's a big thing. So that those are those are what I would say frequently shows up. What's a typical session or time frame that you're coaching somebody? Is it a year, two years? Is, does it last forever? Yeah. So we don't really. If we, again, if we are doing, if we're showing up with the best possible support, knowledge, holding space for people and really wanting to move their needle and and help them have a transformation, we don't want them to need us forever, right? We want them to learn how to say, oh, I'm getting off the rails and bring themselves back on. We are there for those who want to tap back in as needed, right? Life happens. The hurricane of life happens. We lose people. Stress happens. We lose jobs. We have financial stress. And all of a sudden we put ourselves on the back burner without recognizing it. So sometimes they do check back in, which is fine. So a typical organization brings us on. Yeah. For, for years. And we'll take a first, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll coach people and they start walking around the office. I had one guy lose 119 pounds in less than a year. Now that's, that's literally, that's literally from one day eating this way, the next day he decided, I would never tell somebody cut out all, cut out all the sugar, all the white stuff, but he literally went on like heavy carnivore and a lot of vegetables and, and nothing processed. 119 pounds. He was crying his eyes out because we asked him, how many, how many days did you exercise? And he went, and that just, that just shows you the power of food. Like you don't want somebody who has that much weight to lose to exercise because they will hurt their knee or their back or something. So the power of food, pulling out those carbohydrates and all that extra sugar and not drinking juice and soda and all that. So he did, that was a very radical shift. People don't have to go that quickly. It might take somebody two years to reach their weight, their, their goal. It might, I've got another guy in six months, he's down, you know, 33 pounds 
and he's very, he's, he's focused and he still gives himself little treats here and there. It's not about ripping away no alcohol and no birthday cake. It's about let's figure out what works for this individual within their life and helps them to get to their goals. So it's um, the corporate programs. They usually keep us there. I mean, we're still at, we're, we're at one for about six years now and we just keep bringing on employees who maybe aren't ready. And sometimes we can see somebody who could benefit from the program and say, this would be a great program, but they're not ready. But when they are ready, we're there. And then that employee can connect with their coach. We've got an app. So there's a lot of content in the app. They can communicate with their coach through the app. They can read a lot of our different lessons. I tell them if you want to binge watch and you don't want to go down Netflix, binge read a lot of our lessons that we have in there. A lot of great things that we they can track their um, there's a food diary in there. There's assessments. They can track their blood pressure and their weight and all that sort of stuff. So there's that app too. So they, so that if I'm not in front of them, they'll, they're going to see my picture come up on the app. (laughs) (laughs) And are you available 24 seven? Like how do you put parameters around, um, client communication? Yeah. So clients, uh, they, so I have my sessions and the sessions are always scheduled. So we hop on sessions and I tell them, you know, if you have a question between our sessions, message me through the app. I usually get back to people within 24 to 48 hours, unless it's something that's like really, you know, important, but usually it's just a question. So within 24, 48 hours, I write back and yeah, so it, I have not had any problems with anybody blowing up my phone in the middle of the night or calling me at some, some weird time, because again, we teach people how to treat us. And I, when they've got me, they've got me. Um, but they also know that I'll get back to them. I mean, I was at the beach this past weekend and I was messaging clients through the app on my phone and, you know, just, and so it's, it's great. It's great. There's no one who takes advantage of it, but they have, they do have access to our coaches, which is That's good. good. Yeah. So is, is, Weight loss and the number one reason why they're they're want to be coached, or are there other conditions they're looking to rectify as well? Yeah, there's weight loss is often a driving factor because they're they've been told by their physician that they are um, that that could help lower their blood pressure and reduce you know get them off the anti-inflammatories for their knees and their back. So weight loss is a driver, but Truthfully, I think the last two years have chewed us up and spit us out in so many ways that there's a lot of stress. And what I've seen is there's a group of people who are so honorable and such so positive and so grateful to have a job and not have COVID. So if you imagine somebody who's got a job and and hasn't, you know, had COVID or been in the hospital or lost somebody from COVID, but possibly they have a bit of weight to lose. They're very, very grateful. And I think what I enjoy is helping people to set that bar a little bit higher, want a little bit more. You can be grateful and you can get into that dress if that's what you want. You can be grateful and reduce that medication. You can be grateful and weigh less not having to choose one or the other, like I'm so grateful and, and, and that's good. Right. But helping people to say, what do you want? What do you really want? Do you want to feel better? Do you want to look better? We all want to look better and feel better. And getting people to actually say that is not easy for a lot of people who are just 
in that space of this is where it's at for me. This is where I live. And so it's, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Have you learned from some of your clients? I learn from my clients every day. Uh, it's the most humbling work because I know I've had my own history with certain things. And so when I'm in that space with somebody who trusts me and can kind of let their guard down and unzip the suit that the world has expected them to show up in and share things with me that give me a better understanding of what their struggles are in their life. I learn from people every day that we are all the same in so many ways, more ways than we think. And it's helping it, it, it's helping someone to feel comfortable. I think a lot of people in the past, there was like, Oh, a health coach is going to tell me to eat a salad and do yoga and stand on my head. And it was never about that in my sessions. And it still never is. It's about the person's heart. And then the transformation happens and they start to see really big results. Most people don't have these conversations. Like we get to have Jim. Most people don't have access to a health coach or a supportive family member who's like, Hey, you know, you can do it because what I find is in families, when one person gets healthy or starts working out or starts eating differently, this person is here and there's that discrepancy and this person feels left out. Well, now you're always going to the gym and we used to eat biscuits and donuts on Sunday morning, or now you're always wanting to go here and we used to do that. So there's that discord. So that's a big part of my coaching too. It's how to lovingly engage the whole family um, if they want it. And, you know, I've seen some great things happen from that, how to lovingly engage and, and not push your spouse, just, you do you, you're responsible for what you put in your mouth, just because they make something doesn't mean you have to eat it. But how do you lovingly <laughs> decline that coming from somebody who had an Italian grandmother who would have taken that as a huge insult? You're not hungry. So it's, it's, it's a whole, it is a whole family thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point you brought up because there are you know, people get resentful, right? At the end of the day, because you know, they're, somebody's moving on, they're, they're progressing, they're doing things differently. And to your point way earlier in the podcast, because they're healthier, they now have choices. You know, they can go for a hike. They can go push the baby stroller with their grandkid. They can, yeah. um, you know, instead of going to Italy and being on a tour bus the whole time, they can actually walk, maybe ride a bike. They can do other stuff. So right. um, for those that can't, you know, then, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of them don't look at their loved one and say, man, I want to be like that person. It's more of, uh, I'm defeated. I can't do it. And therefore you don't care about me anymore. And you just get this deep seated resentfulness. Right. And the, you know, the psychology behind that, like we say food is love, but it really is. And I've had so many clients. I mean, I've been coaching since 2007. I have had so many clients. I'll never forget this one girl, she was doing fabulous and she was, she was down about something at home. You know, she, we had a session and then she went home and something in her family was going on and had her down. So what did her husband do? He went out and bought her cannolis. He's like, babe, I know you're having a hard day. She's like, Oh my God, don't you know what I'm trying to do? That is not my love language right now. 
And so, um, and he felt bad. And then I have other clients who I use the, you know, I have another client, he's doing so well. And it's been a year, but he finally held that space, didn't cave, maintained his health and well-being lovingly without having to put his wife down or make her feel bad. Because again, that's, that doesn't get us what we want either, right? So you have to find a way to honor yourself, be the best version of yourself and hope that they feel that vibe and are like, this is great. I want to go to the gym with you. And this uh, one client of mine, his wife recently is cooking differently and she's lost some weight too. And we invite spouses on the journey too. If it's a corporate client, we invite spouses on the journey so they can get all the content in the app um, and they don't get the coaching sessions, but they get all the content. They can read everything their spouse is reading because we realize being the change maker is it's not easy. It's not easy. And it requires that we get untethered ourselves to our own limiting beliefs and to not eat something to please someone else, whether it's the waiter who's trying to sell you the extra bottle of wine or the spouse or the kids, or it's, it's, it's a beast. But when we get clear on why we're doing it and we say, I know it doesn't feel like I love you, but I, that's why I made this great salmon or steak dinner with all these vegetables. And that's why I didn't get the Tex-Mex and the chips and the, this and the fried that this is love. And when we shift into that, that way of thinking, it, it, it does transform families because we see it all the time. It requires patience. Do you have situations too where, let's say it's the wife in this case is getting coached and the husband becomes almost like a de facto coach as well, where, you know, you, you say to her, you know, it's okay to have two little dove chocolates at night while you're watching, while you're, after you've done your five mile walk and everything else, but the husband only wants her to have one. So he starts... <laughs> you know, making her feel bad for having two. I mean, you run to that problem every once in a while. And how do you fix that? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because the two little dove chocolates, they need to trademark that. Cause I'm telling you that comes up a lot. It's just two little dove chocolates, <laughs> the dark chocolate. Right? <laughs> dark yep. better. Yeah. Uh, yes. The de facto coach. There is quite a bit of that. And so I, d I have told people that I'm coaching, blame your coach. Just blame me. I don't care. I can handle it, right? I'm from New York. You want to blame me for something? I know the truth. I know. So um, I, I have told people that, uh, in particular, when it comes to alcohol, there's a lot of spouses who, uh, you know, if I'm coaching somebody who's enjoying, whether it's a bourbon on the rocks a couple times a week, or maybe it's somebody who likes Prosecco on the weekends or, or whatever it is. They've made so many other changes. They're not, their hand is not in the cracker thing with the cheeses. They're not doing the soda anymore. They're not, it really is about baby steps. You can't take away everything from somebody. It's a gradual thing and you start where they want to start. So I have had, I can think of one girl in particular. She's like, my husband, she's so cute. She has this Southern accent. She's like, my husband, he's on me. I got that baby bottle of Lamarca, you know, those little ones, <laughs> this Prosecco. <laughs> She's like, it's a baby bottle. It's one serving. He was giving me a hard time. I said, you tell him that, you know, your coach said you could have one. And, and that was it. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, not that I, not that I, I don't want to make it like I'm telling people what to do, but when you come up, when you look at the whole picture, it's like somebody comes to me and they're, they might be going to Bojangles every day, every day. And they might be, um, or they might be, let's take the other opposite end of the spectrum on HRT, right? They've got a lot going for them, but they're drinking a bottle of wine at night or they're drinking a ton of coffee and not sleeping or they're, they're not leveraging the power of balancing your hormones and saying, oh my God, I can really launch this into a whole nother stratosphere by eating well because I got this great looking car, but I'm putting sweet tea in it. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. So there's both those ends of the spectrum. But yeah, I take the heat sometimes and then, it, and then that dissipates right away. They're cool with it. And I tell them, invite them to the journey. <laughs> so, and some of them do, some of them don't, but... It's okay because when you're dealing with human nature, what I've realized is every it's an addiction. The food, the alcohol, tobacco, it's an addiction that has to be broken and or managed or addressed or highlighted. And just because everyone's doing it, there's that there's that quote, it's no measure of wellness to to be adjusted to um what is it? Now it escapes me. There's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly ill society. And that's what we all are. We're wow. gauging ourselves by what everyone else is doing. Well, she drinks this, so I only drink this. It must be okay. But it's like, as you know, hormones and balance and sleep, it's all so personal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing that we have to overcome sometimes at Optimal Bio is, you know, they come in for the their BHRT treatment. And because I think Hormones have been sold for years um, as a vanity play and not necessarily a health play. Um, you know, they expect to lose 20 pounds and they expect to have muscle mass and they expect to have all this other stuff without having to do anything. And right. to your point earlier, I mean, you have this opportunity now, you know, with this new formula that's in your body, you know, to, now you need to work it. You know, you need to ingest the right things. You need to go out and work out. You need to exercise. And then you'll see the full, uh, your full results, you know, in a very positive way. Um, but it's, it's society too. I mean, everybody, everybody thinks, you know, there's a magic pill out there that is just going to fix somebody. And uh, so <laughs> it seems like everywhere you go, you're, you're battling it on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. And I know that, I mean, you're exactly right. People do think of HRT and, and there is that quick fix mentality, but when, and, and when people can understand, okay, if I just invest this time in my own well being and myself and look at this as a tremendous opportunity to balance my hormones and in a way, not clear the slate, but have a new opportunity, right? Rebalancing things. And then to say, uh, you know, food is information, right? Mark Hyman's a big Dr. Mark Hyman. Food is information. It tells our body what to do. So again, if you're putting sweet tea in your great looking car, you don't trash the car and you don't get mad at the car. You say, what am I putting in this? This is not recognized as fuel. And yes, at you know, we want to, we want to have energy. We want our bones to be strong. We don't want people to fall and break a hip just because they fell. We want that pliability and that flexibility. So what is what does that look like? That's right, a combination of certain supplements and bone strengthening exercises and food and, and all of that. So I think my hope and my passion 
is helping people to say, I'm worthy of slowing down to speed up. I'm worthy of, of becoming more, you know, I, I go to that self-love and I know some of the doctors I work, I work with for a long time, they were like, that sounds fluffy. And I'm like, listen, it is the hardest walk you will ever do because it's boundaries. It's discipline. It's knowing I'm all about the five-star experience, right? So when I, when I, when I'm working with our coaches, try to explain to them, I want my coaching sessions. If you were sitting across the table from me or we were in session or we were on zoom, I want it to feel like a five-star experience. I don't want you to feel like you're under a microscope. I don't want you to feel like I'm going to tell you everything you're doing wrong because you probably know a lot of that. I want you to see possibility. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to hold your head high. I want you to feel worthy. And, and that's the most important thing. Like when you, you could get, we, we could go for lunch right now and I could go to, um, I don't know, I can go drive through Starbucks and get something to eat or I can go sit at the Umstead and eat. It's the food, yes, at the Umstead, but it's the ambiance, it's the quiet, it's the, it's the attention to detail, it's all of that stuff. And so with Doable, and especially with this Doable Health Club, it is just that. It is, somebody, it is a place where somebody can feel seen, not judged. The world does enough of that. We don't judge. We just, we guide and we strategize and we help. And the comparanoia is real and we can all find ourselves doing it, right? Like any of us, but then catching yourself and saying, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great stuff. We're going to have to wrap this yeah. up. And usually what well, we always, we ask our guests to give the audience five takeaways. So since you're a coach, I'm sure you have more than just five, but um, mm. what do you have for us? Well, five takeaways. Eat real food. Find a way to speak up. Wherever it is in your life, personally, professionally, find a way to speak up. And if you're hearing that, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Let exercise be something that you enjoy. could be free. It doesn't have to be in a gym. It doesn't have to be in a group, but move your body. The best way to quickly shift your mindset and your mood. Practice box breathing once or twice a day. Inhale for five seconds. Hold for five seconds. Exhale for five seconds. And Look in your mirror tomorrow morning and put your hand over your heart and say, I love you. Because that's where it begins. Those are my five takeaways. Very good. You've been a great guest. We thank you for your time today. For more thank information you. on Janine, you can, I guess, look or look you up at Doable Health, correct? Yep. Doablehealth.com. Yep. We are. And do you have, do you have any other handles do you want to uh, share? We have, um, oh gosh, I'm 
did I just give away that I'm not the social media person? <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. Just go to the website. Just go to the yeah, website. Yeah, go, go to the website. We're working on, on all that. But yes, thank you for the time. And it was really, really lovely to share this space with you, Jim. Thank you. No, I appreciate your time. Thank you. This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brannon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brannon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound. Thank you.